Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. Davey's here tonight. You guys appreciate Davey. He's one of my best friends. And uh, a buddy of mine, Aaron, is a great leader in our church. He's on staff at our church. And uh, can't miss him because he has great hair. And Christian Dworski, uh, who's also related, is Davey's brother. But I feel like I'm bringing my friends to my church. I'm like showing them everything and telling them who everybody is. I warn them. And I use this word, and I hope that it, you take it as a compliment, because I meant it as one. But just driving up here, I was like, look, just, you guys have to be ready, because this church is rowdy. <laughs> I've always, were you the guy in the video? Yeah, great face, man. I've, I've, always, wanted, I've always wanted to use the word rowdy on the pulpit and I got to use it. Y'all are rowdy. Before we take our seats, um, and I mean, I do mean that as a compliment because every time I have been able to be a part of what God is doing here, I know that I'm here to preach and I hope that I'm able to give and invest in the life of this church, but I, I need you to know Every time I come here, and already just just being in the presence of God in the praise and worship, there is a there is there is an anointing on this house, and already already I know that me coming here already this was this is more for me than it was for you. And you gotta understand, it's even just the way that as a church you love Jesus and the way that you worship. I am going home. You need to know this. So blessed, and God is God is. I don't just say this to just sound like a cliche preacher God is really we heard it already God is really up to something this is not normal y'all planned this a month ago and everybody's here that's not that's not normal if we planned something at Wave Church I wouldn't even be there in a month before we take our seats uh, this is we need to honor your senior pastors, Pastor Anthony and Miriam Fleming, who have led. Come on, do you love them? Do you love them? And I do. I honor you. And I salute you and I thank you. And I honor your faithfulness. I honor the church that you have led so well. These last two years have been a doozy. And you have kept your church's eyes on the mission on Jesus. And you continue to speak truth. And I am, man, I am telling you, I, I really believe that God is going to surprise everybody in this room with what God, the best, the best is yet to come. But it is, there is depths of faithfulness that y'all have sowed. And I honor you for that. And I believe it has built a, a foundation where, where God will surprise you what he's going to do in the future. Amen? Amen. Amen. You can take your seats. If you could just stay with me until we pray, because then it'll at least sound spiritual until we pray. <laughs> Every time I have the opportunity to speak, I always honor my senior pastors who also happen to be my mom and dad. And, uh, I love them. I'm thankful for them. I'm, I'm thankful for their leadership, especially these last two years. Uh, and doing the same thing, just keeping our church's eyes on Jesus. I don't know that, I, I don't, from my perspective, I don't know that it's been more easy as a follower of Jesus these last two years to become distracted from what really matters. And I'm thankful for churches like this. I'm thankful uh, for my pastors, Pastor Steve and Sharon, who have led our church, and I've said this before, I, I continue to say it again, I'm thankful for their, their leadership and their gifting, and, and it's amazing, 
But more than anything, especially as a pastor's kid, I am thankful for their integrity and leadership off of the stage. Um, that is one of the, the big reasons why I am uh, still standing as a follower of, of Jesus. I am married. And, uh, you know, after you get married and you have kids, there's this thing that comes over you where you have to show photos of your children. And so I'm going to show photos of my children. Because last time I was here, uh, my son was due in two weeks pretty sure and uh, I forgot how old I was driving here JM asked me and I genuinely couldn't remember how old that's where I am in life and uh, so I think we have some photos of that's our little fam there's Liv that's my beautiful wife Brooke and that's Locke we call him the Loch Ness Monster and uh, I think we have two more photos just there's little Liv my little chicken nugget and uh I don't know how to say no to anything. There's Locke. He just turned one. He's not saved, so pray for him. <laughs> Y'all ready for the word? Before we do, um, is Ben still in here? Ben Fleming, pastor's kid. He's a pastor's kid, so he's probably smoking cigarettes outside. Is he still, he was holding a camera, is he still here? Can we get him? He went back to the media room. Typical pastor's kid. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the fun part, but when the guy gets up to talk, I'm out of here. Just wanna encourage him, I love pastor's kids. And uh, again, just a testament to your faithfulness. I love your family. And uh, it's just cool. Y'all ready for the word? Before we jump into Mark chapter 14, you know what I also want to do since we have Thomas? I want to encourage Magno. And uh, it's, it's, it is special to see what is, what, is, what is coming out of this house and that song tonight. Uh, how cool to be here uh, with that new song. It's the first of many. And I want to, I want to encourage you and, and the entire team. And I, I think it was said, uh, I think Pastor Anthony, you said, or somebody did it at some point tonight, or maybe I just thought of it in my own mind, um, is I do believe the sound of this house and the spirit of this house is going to impact the city and, and, and the nation and go around the world. Part of that is the songs, but I want to, I want to, because we don't, I want to encourage and I want to thank you because we live in a world where we, it's almost like people write songs so that they can go just be heard all around the world. We, don't, we write it so that we can honor and worship God and that is what is on this house. And I wanna encourage you to keep that humble spirit. And that in, this entire, it's this entire team. Because I do, I do believe there is a sound that is gonna come out of this house that is it's gonna impact the city, the nation, nations and around the world. And it's because keep that, but keep that. One of the reasons that's going to take place is because you understand that you are here to serve. Not going to, not trying to do, do, go do your own thing, but you understand the power of being under authority. You've submitted your leadership and your gift under trustworthy leaders. And if you continue to do that, I believe that again, one of the things that's going to surprise this church is just where, how far this sound goes. But a huge key to that is because you understand it's like my, and the, for the whole creative team, it's our, we submit our gift to the leadership of this house. We trust the leadership of this house to honor God, to worship God. And you watch, you watch what happens. Amen. I believe people, and you're gifted. I've told Davey this. I believe that you are very gifted. But I think one of the great things that is going to mark your leadership is there's going to be people, there's just going to be very gifted creators that come into this house and they're going to be willing to submit themselves even under your leadership and under your leadership and there's almost going to be like this how is there this many just amazing people that are good at singing and, and what are they called instruments <laughs> but again I believe that's going to take place it's because you understand you have that humble heart and you love Magno <laughs> amen is this Ben Benji stay there you can stay there you can stay there did I interrupt your smoke break 
been 13, you are so much cooler than I was at 13. Anybody love Ben? Thank you. Again, I love this family church. You need to understand, you need to understand even, even this is a, it should be, but it's not normal. 13-year-old pastor's kid who's humble enough to serve and hold a camera. And just in worship, I felt the Holy Spirit encourage me to encourage you. And some of this, I mean, I'm sure some of it will make sense, but I believe what I'm going to encourage you is for even some of your later teenage years. Because I believe God has called you to be a, all I, the main thing I kept just sensing from the Holy Spirit is you are a mighty warrior. Mighty warrior of God. And I want you, I want you to remember that. I'm a, I'm a mighty warrior for God. I'm a weapon for the kingdom. I don't know specifically what God has called you to do. I believe God's going to speak to you about that as you continue to serve. I want to encourage you. The best thing you can do is outserve everybody in this place. God's going to use you. God is going to use you, whatever that may be. God is going to use you in a mighty way. And there's going to be times in high school when you're 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, there's going to be times where you say no to things because you remember, no, 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 I'm, I'm a mighty warrior, so this isn't for me. Just remember, you just remember, I am, I'm a, I'm a mighty warrior. I am a, what you see yourself, I'm a weapon for the kingdom of God. As much, maybe it makes sense now, maybe it doesn't, but I believe there's going to be some times in high school where the Holy Spirit's going to remind you, no, 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 Ben, you're a mighty warrior. This isn't for you. Amen. Anybody love Ben? He's awesome. We're going to pray in just a moment, and then I promise you can leave. We're going to jump into Mark chapter 14. Y'all ready for the worm? If you are new to church, I want to welcome you home. The good news is, no matter, I want you to catch this. If you are new to this church thing, the good news is, is God knew you would be here. And he's smiling. He's really glad that you're here. No matter who you are, where you come from, you belong here. This is a good church to call your church home and your church family. Can I get one good amen? We're going to jump into Mark chapter 14. And just to give us some context, this is a powerful moment in Scripture. It's one of my favorite moments in Scripture. And I just want us to understand where Jesus finds himself. We're going to jump into a moment where Jesus is walking into the Garden of Gethsemane. This is towards the end of of his life and his ministry. He has his disciples with him. He's about to pray. But we see something take place. Because in this moment, we see the humanity of Jesus. We understand Jesus is fully God and, and, and fully man. And in this moment, we see the humanity of Jesus. Because what is about to take place is, is the reality and the gravity and the weight of, of what is about to take place. Jesus is about to be betrayed. Jesus is about to go to court and remain silent for your sake and, and my sake. Jesus, who gave up his royal status and took on your status and my status as a human being, in the weight of, of him about to be arrested and beaten, the Bible says beyond the point of being recognized as a human being for you and for me. This is about to take place and, and it, it is getting closer and closer. And so the way we, we sang about sin is gone and shame is broken tonight, that is starting to hit Jesus because it's about to take place. The reality of, of, of taking on the cross for you and for me, that the crown of thorns crushed into his skull, dying on the cross, not just for you, but as you. The Bible says that he who knew no sin became our sin. The weight of the sin and the shame of the world that is starting to hit Jesus in this moment, it is about to take place and three days later we know Jesus raises from the dead defeating the devil defeating sin defeating who we used to be so that you and I can have a relationship with the Father so we can know what it is to have salvation and hope can I get one good amen it is it is it is in this place that this is all coming face to face with Jesus and it is in Mark chapter 14 I want to jump in it says this they came to an area called Gethsemane Jesus told his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him. The Bible says this. I love how it describes 
Jesus. We see the humanity of Jesus. It says he plunged into a sinkhole of dreadful agony. The Bible says he told them, I feel bad enough right now to die. You ever been there? Just me? You ever been there? Jesus says, stay here and keep vigil with me. Verse 35, the Bible says, going a little ahead, he fell. The Bible says Jesus is, it shows us that Jesus is at the end of himself. Spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, Jesus, the Bible says he fell. He didn't, he didn't just nicely get down. He fell to the ground and prayed for a way out. You ever prayed for a way out? Jesus says, Father, you can, can't you? Get me out of this. God, can you, can you, you can't. Take this cup away from me. God, if there's any other way. We knew in that moment God could have got Jesus out of that situation. If he did, you and I would have no hope. And then Jesus says this, but please, not what I want. What do you want? Can we, can we pray? Before we pray, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The title of tonight's conversation is, you can write this down, is get back up. Get back up. And I think it's fitting in the theme for this conference of this year. You can add this. Get back up and go. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, hey, go. Not yet, though. Like, stay here until the end. And then. Why don't we pray? And then, and then I promise. <laughs> Let's pray. Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, there you are. God, thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, thank you for moving in this place. I got the sense in worship, Holy Spirit, that you're already healing people. God, if there's anybody sick right now or has pain in their body, Holy Spirit of God, I thank you that you're healing people right here and right now. God, where it was uncomfortable to be in the seated position we are in, God, right now pain goes. And we can, we can enjoy the rest of this service instead of having to endure it in pain. Holy Spirit, there you are. I've got faith for miracles tonight. God, we thank you for your presence. Without it tonight would almost be a waste of time. Holy Spirit, I thank you. God, personally, I pray for your power, your grace, your authority, your anointing. God, I am aware that I am nothing without you. God, I need you to preach this message tonight. God, I think of what you're doing in this church. God, I think that the best really is yet to come. And God, because we are just so close to MetLife Stadium, we just pray the Jets make the playoffs next year. And everybody said. Everybody said. Thank you. Come on, give me a hand. A lot of things happened last year uh, in the world, and, and I'm sure in your life, a lot of things happened in my life. One of the good things that happened in my life is I got to experience my first Alabama college football game. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're probably thinking, oh, you're just another bandwagon Alabama football fan. I'm here to tell you, I've been a diehard, committed Bama fan for three and a half years. I'm a Jets fan. Don't judge me. A pastor friend of mine found out that I loved Alabama football, and, uh, which is a sensitive subject because they just lost the national championship, so pray for my heart. And, but he called me. There was this season. He said, Josh, I, I got tickets to the LSU game, and he knew Davey was a, was a huge Bama football fan, and Davey's been to a game before. He said, we well, could bring Davey, and this would be your first, first game. Josh, could you come to, to, this, to this game? I said, yes, I could come to this football game. And he said, well, Josh, if you, if you get here a day early, like don't just get here the day of, but if you get here a day early, and, and, and we can drive into Tuscaloosa, that's where Alabama football stadium is, is where the college campus is, is where scholars believe the Garden of Eden probably is as well. And, so if you can get here a day early, we can experience a lot more. The day of, there's just thousands of people. It's chaos. You can't really do much. But if you get here a day early, we can go to the museum. We can see the campus. And, and, and we can go to this, this breakfast diner, which is just this famous place everybody goes to. I said, we're, we're there. And so we, we get there a day early. 
and, and his name's Pastor Brad, who took us to this breakfast diner, and it's the first thing we did, and we waited like 45 minutes to an hour, and it was worth every minute of the wait, and we get inside, and there's a table inside of the diner. It's where Bear Bryant's famous Bama coach, uh, where he used to go have breakfast, so you can see where he used to sit. It's almost, it's not a shrine, it's almost a shrine of where he used to sit. His, his hat's there, and we got to sit like really close to where that table was, and the lady came over, and she's really sweet. She started talking to us, and Pastor Brad introduced us. She said, this is David, this is Josh. This is his first Alabama football game. Her countenance changed. This is your first game, sweetheart? I said, yeah. She said, welcome. She said, we love you. I said, I love you too. And Pastor Brad was telling us about these biscuits that they have at this diner. These, these, these biscuits. I love carbohydrates. And, and we had them. And she said, did you like the biscuits? I said, ma'am, I love the biscuits. So she's like, man, I'm from heaven. She said, well, this is your first game. I'm going to get you more biscuits. They're on the house. You want biscuits to go? I said, ma'am, I want biscuits to go. <laughs> Even if I was fasting, the Holy Spirit would have rebuked me if I did not participate in eating that manna. <laughs> we go see the museum. The next day, it's game day. It's game day, and we get there early because it's a night game, but people tailgate all day long. And we, there's tents as long as the eye, as long as you can see. And, and we go to one of the, the tents, the tailgating places that was friends of Pastor Brad. And he takes us in and, and meets his friends. This is Davis and Josh. This is his first game. This is your first game? Welcome. We love you. You see all this food? You can eat whatever you want. Bobby, get out of your chair. It's his first game. Let him sit. He's like, welcome. Sit. Take my chair. All of them, you're going to come back, right? I said, yes, I would love to come back. <laughs> then before the game, there's this thing called the Walk of Champions. It's two hours before the game. Thousands of people get around the stadium. This is when Nick Saban, the coach of the football team, and the players, they, they, they arrive to the stadium two hours before the game. Thousands of people line up to see them in their suit and tie just walk into the stadium before they even touch the football. So Davey and I get there three hours, an hour before that, so we can get close to the front. And we start talking to people. Pastor Brad introduces us again to this family. This is your first time? Welcome. We, we love you. She introduces me to, to her, her daughter who just got engaged and her fiance's next to her. And I look at her phone. She pulls out her phone, and, and I see a photo on her lock screen. I said, oh, is that a photo of your proposal? She's like, no, this is a photo of me and Nick Saban. I got to meet him last year. I turned to her fiance, I said, are you okay with that? He said, I have the same photo on my phone. I kid you not. She said, this is your first, first, first time here? I said, yes. She moved her children out of the way so I could be right up close to the front. She said, you just wait. Nick Saban is going to walk out of the bus. This is like borderline idolatry. I'm like repenting. He's going to stand right there. And you're not going to believe how close he's going to, you can almost touch him. He's going to turn around the football team. He's going to walk out of the bus. And, 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 and it was it was unreal experience. We go, we go to the game. Nobody is late. Everybody's in their seats. We sit down, Davey and I, I mean, I'm just, everybody knows the words to the songs. We sit down before the, the, the kickoff, and Pastor Brad introduces us again. And says, this is Josh's first game. This is your first game? Within five minutes, the entire section found out it was my first game. Like, we love you. You're coming, you're coming back next year, right? They, they let us move closer down to the, to, to the field because it was my, my first game. I've never hugged more strangers in my entire life. <laughs> this overwhelming, how many times I heard, we love you. You're, you're coming back, right? Like you're part of the Alabama family now. You're coming. I'm like, yes. I, I would love to, to come back. And, and church, church, I, I, I love football. I love college football. And, and, and as, as amazing that experience was, I could not, church, I could not help but think to myself, how is it? How is it that, that thousands of people who are watching a football game get this more than the church does? How is it that these people are more passionate than, than the church is? I mean, how much more passionate as followers of Jesus should we be for people experiencing the gospel and the good news of who Jesus is? How much more passionate should we be? For the one thing that Jesus is building, it's the church that is the hope of the world. How much more passionate as followers of Jesus should we be for new people to come to church? How much more passionate should we be as followers of Jesus for, to give up our seat? 
You're, you're new. Take my seat. You're not going to believe how close God really is. You're not going to believe how good his grace is. You're not just going to hear about him, but you can have an encounter with his grace, with his presence. How much more? How much more passionate should we be as followers of Jesus to get here early? So we don't miss one moment of what God is going to do. We don't miss one moment in the presence of God and praise and worship the church. The church is the hope of the world. And church, can you believe that God chooses you and me to be his church? Friends, the the church is far from perfect because we're here. Yet God in his goodness and his grace chooses us to spread the most important story to all mankind, the story of hope and redemption in the name of Jesus. Can I get one good amen? Amen. I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. I believe it with everything inside of me. I believe there is no greater time to be alive as a human being. I believe there's no greater time to be a Christian, a Jesus follower. I believe there's no greater time to be a part of the church as dark and chaotic as it seems. I I believe there's no greater time for the church to be light in the darkness. I believe God is using his church in a way in history that he has never used the church before. The church is the hope of the world. And yet I look around so often in my own life. I look around at the church and maybe we understand this, maybe we've heard this, maybe we believe this. But how often I look around at the church, I look at my own life, how often, how often the church gives up. How often as followers of Jesus, we give up on the call of God on our life. We give up on our relationship with Jesus. We give up on the church. Maybe life got hard. Maybe this Christian walk got inconvenient. Maybe there's some things in God's word that disagree with your current lifestyle. Maybe we got offended. How often, I even look at my own life, but how often I look at the church. And and we start to entertain the idea of giving up. But if there's one thing the church does not do, is give up. I, I wonder, this is an interesting question to think about. I wonder this year, what would it take for you to give up? What would need to happen in your life for you to give up? I think about the process of Joseph. Joseph's given this God dream, and the moment he finds out about this God dream, all hell breaks loose in his life. I mean, this amazing call. Joseph is... Brothers, they try to kill him, they throw him in a pit. I wonder, is it the the pit this year that would cause you to give up? Those that you thought were with you, you find out they aren't. You don't need to be a Christian to find that out. You live life long enough, there's going to be some people who you thought were with you, and they're not. Joseph was sold away into slavery. I wonder... A different route this year than maybe you thought or hoped that God would take you. Would another route change cause you to give up this year? Joseph was sold in to Potiphar's house. I wonder would it be working in a place you thought you'd be done by now? Maybe your character is being attacked. Would that cause would that cause you to give up this year? Joseph was thrown in a prison. Maybe you're not physically in prison. We know that because you're here. But your life feels like prison. This season that you thought would be over by now. And it feels like prison. And it's dark and it just seems like there is no light. There is no hope. And delay has so robbed you of your hope. That you started to wonder, am I done? You know what I found, church, is the devil uses these seasons of life to defeat us. While God uses them to make us better and more like him. And the good news is, amen. The good news is, is it does not have to be anything that causes you or I to give up. 
I want to make sure you understand tonight that as I suggest as followers of Jesus, we don't have the option to give up, that I do not have the authority or, or, or audacity to suggest to your situation or your circumstance that you can't give up. I don't, but I know somebody who does. His name is Jesus. I want to jump into this verse again, and I want to remind us as a church, as followers of Jesus, why we do not have the right to give up. Y'all still with me? Mark chapter 14. Jesus in this moment, dare I say, entertaining the idea of giving up. God, if there's any other way, take this from me. What does Jesus say? But please, not what I want. What do you want? Church, why can't we give up in this moment? Why doesn't Jesus give up? We understand and we see in this moment because Jesus was thinking of you. Actually, it wasn't about him in this moment. Jesus is thinking about all of humanity. And Church, I want to suggest to you and I the reason why we cannot give up is because maybe it's not about us anymore. Oh, the freedom that is found as a follower of Jesus. When we understand this life that we live is not about us anymore. I shift from a life that is obsessed with my own self and my own preference and my own feelings and now my life is surrendered to a savior and now my eyes are open to the world and others around me. We can't give up, church, because it's not about us anymore. There are people that God has called you to reach that will not be reached if we give up. As I share this, I cannot help but think about my grandfather who showed me this more than anybody in my life. My grandfather, to make a long story short, grew up an alcoholic, got married, married an alcoholic, had kids. One of those is my dad. Was an alcoholic, was addicted to gambling, gambled everything away, lost the house, everything. My dad gets saved at 17. He's able to lead his dad, my grandfather, to the Lord. My grandfather in his 40s or 50s told my dad, his son, son, I never knew I could have a personal relationship with Jesus. My grandfather was able to be, find freedom from, from alcohol, from gambling, from addiction, and started this program called Regeneration. It's used in churches all around the world, this program through the gospel to help people set free from life-controlling habits. Years and years go on, and we move to the States. My grandmother graduates to heaven. My grandfather is in his 70s, becomes very sick. We're in the States at this point. My dad gets a phone call from one of his siblings, said, Steve, you need to fly home. Dad is he's so sick, the doctors are saying he's not going to be here by the time you get here. You need to get on the first flight and be prepared to do your dad's funeral. My dad flies to Australia, get, preparing himself to do his dad's funeral, and gets to the hospital, walks into the hospital room, and there's my grandfather sitting in the hospital bed smiling. Dad said, my dad talked to his dad, my grandfather, he said, Dad, what? they told me you weren't going to make it. My grandfather looked at his son, my dad, he said, I know, son, and as much as I would even prefer to stop dealing with this pain and this sickness, as much as I would prefer to be in heaven with my Savior and your mom, son, I couldn't help but still think about this friend who doesn't know Jesus. I couldn't still help about this friend who's still struggling with addiction. Son, I couldn't help but think about my caretaker. I know her situation, her family, she doesn't know Jesus. Son, I couldn't go just yet. That's looked at his father and said, wow, it's amazing. Flew back. About a year later, my dad gets the same phone call from the same sibling. He says, Steve, you need to fly home. It's worse this time. Dad's, dad's not going to be here. You need to prepare to do his funeral. My dad gets on the first flight. He flies to Australia, walks in to the same hospital, walks into the hospital bed. And there is my grandfather sitting in bed eating an egg. <laughs> now, if you know anything about the Kelly family and our Terrible sense of humor. You understand what I'm about to say. My dad looked at his dad and said, Dad, you're supposed to be dead. 
I can't keep doing this. Next time, you better be in heaven. My grandfather laughed. He looked at his son, my dad. He said, son, I know, but I couldn't help but still think about that friend who doesn't know Jesus, that friend who's still struggling with addiction, my caretaker who still doesn't know Jesus. About a year later, our entire family is, is in Australia. We're visiting family and, and friends, and my grandfather's worse off. He's in a wheelchair. He's in a, on an oxygen tank, and my grandfather went, went to my dad, his son, he said, hey, son, I, I've put on this church service, uh, midweek church service, and, I, and my friends, they're all coming, the friends I talked to you about, and, 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 and so I need you to preach like the best message of your life, no pressure. <laughs> my dad looked at his dad, he said, you can't just set up a church service, like you have to talk to the pastor. He said, I already did. I've set it up, a little church in the Blue Mountains. I'll never forget, our whole family was there on a Wednesday night. This church service packed full of people, and all of my grandfather's friends are there. His caretaker's there. I watched my dad preach the greatest message of his life. I watched my dad give a, a, an altar call moment for people to give their lives to Jesus. And I watched every single one of my grandfather's friends raise their hand. I watched his caretaker raise her hand. We went. After the service, I went and gave my grandfather a hug. He pulled me in for a second hug. It's like he knew. We went to dinner that night after church. My dad gets a phone call, says, you need to go home to see your dad. My grandfather lived five minutes from the church. Grandfather's sitting at home, and my dad's able to talk to his dad. said, Dad, all, did you see all your friends? They gave their life to, to Jesus, your caretaker. He said, son, I know. My dad got to be with his father as he slipped into eternity with his Savior. And I'm reminded, my grandfather reminded me, church, this life we live. It's not about us anymore. God, not what I want. What do you want? Church, do not give up. Do not give up on the call of God on your life. Do not give up on your relationship with Jesus. Do not give up on the church. Do not give up. This isn't about us anymore. I pray this gets in your spirit. Do not give up. As we close, and if the keys, just the keys can come on up. Sorry, I didn't give you too long as a break. You know, I was praying over this message and for our church and for any church that I'm able to share this year, just praying, asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want to say to your church this year? I, I love this, this declaration, this theme, go. And if I could add to one of the things that we are going to do, I believe the Holy Spirit has encouraged me tonight. The Holy Spirit reminded me this moment where in scripture where Jesus, who we understand is the head of the church, he's sitting with his disciples, who we understand pioneer the early church. So Jesus, is, this verse we're about to read is a conversation that Jesus is having with the individuals that are going to start and pioneer his church. And he says something to them that, that I believe is imperative. We are reminded that we so often forget as the church, and I believe is applicable for you and I especially this year, 2022. John 13, verse 35 says this. Jesus is sitting with his disciples, and he says this, a new command I give you. Now, his disciples probably hear that and think, oh, a new command. I'm excited to hear a new command. Jesus says, love one another. They're probably thinking when Jesus says this, Jesus, this is not a new command. We've heard this before. We've heard you say love one another before. And then Jesus says this. He clarifies what he meant. He says, as I have loved you, so must you love one another. The disciples had an understanding of love from a human perspective, but now they are starting to see a glimpse of really how Jesus sees and loves people. And Jesus is telling his disciples that it is in this way that I want you to love people. And then Jesus says this, by this, Everyone will know that you are my disciples. 
Jesus says, by this everyone will know that you are my church. If you love one another. Church, I wonder, think about this. What are you known for? Think about that. What are you known for? I wonder, what are we? What are we known for? Something I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to His church and something that we need to leave behind this year is negativity and gossip. And something that we need to pick up is including that we need encouragement and words of life. It's almost as if one of the things we are going to go and do is go and speak life. I wonder, church, are we known for how negative we are? Or are we known for how encouraging we are? Jesus didn't say the world's going to know you by how much you gossip and how negative you are. Jesus said the world's going to know who you are by how encouraging you are, how often you choose to speak life in every single situation. Jesus is saying my church does not have time for negativity and gossip. My church only has time wherever they go to go and speak life. Go. That's what I love about your pastors. Everything they say is speaking life. By the way, the devil loves a negative Christian and a gossiping follower of Jesus because they're doing his job for him. May we be a church. And so I wonder, we're almost done, we're almost done. You can take your seats. Church, we cannot help but look at the life and ministry of Jesus and so clearly see that wherever he went, he spoke life. We cannot help but look at his life and his ministry. Everywhere he went, he spoke life. Church, I wonder, when was the last time that you encouraged somebody? When was the last time that you really, I'm not talking about a general, like, God bless you, you're awesome. I mean, when was the last time that you really encourage somebody. The world does not need more negativity and gossip. There's enough to go around. The world needs the church to go and encourage and to speak life. Have you ever have you ever experienced the power of encouragement? I have. This last year, actually a year ago this Monday, one of the great heroes of our church, his name, Chase Llewellyn, graduated to heaven with an 11-year fight of brain cancer. His amazing family, his mom and dad attend our church. His wife, Chase's wife, Chase's son attend our church. Chase's little brother, his name's Luke. He's a pastor on our staff. They all attend our church. And in honor of his life and his fight, what would have been Chase's birthday this last year, Luke created this, this workout that we were going to do to honor and remember Chase. Called it a hero workout. This workout consists, I'm just going to fill you in, of a three-mile run. That's three miles too long to be running. Then 11 rounds of four strict pull-ups, seven push-ups, 17 sit-ups. Then, when you've completed the 11 rounds, this is my favorite part, 15 seconds of dancing. If there's one thing, if you knew Chase, there's one thing that he showed us in his fight is that we always have a reason to dance. No matter how dark it gets, there's always an opportunity to give God glory. So when I decided to do this, we all did it at different times over the weekend. When I decided to do this workout, I, you know, I, I, loved, I loved Chase. And so I thought, well, I'm going to do this work. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go above and beyond. And so this three-mile workout, I'm going to wear a weight vest, an extra 20. Yes, you said, oh, no, you're right. 
an extra 25, 30 pounds. And it seemed like a good idea up until like 19 seconds into the three mile run. And because this is a hero workout and this is in honor of my friend, I'm thinking to myself, I've got to give everything I have. I can't just frolic through this run. I want to make sure when I finish this run, I have nothing left to the tank. So I start this run and it's hot and I've got my phone app that's telling me how far I'm running every mile it notifies me. Congratulations, you've done one mile. What seemed like seven hours later, congratulations, you've done two miles. And I am waiting for it to say, congratulations, three miles, your race, your race is over. And I look down at my phone and I, I, I'm thinking I've got to be close and it says 2.9. I look up and I'm almost done and I can see I've got about a quarter mile left before where I am I'm about to be done and where my house is I'm thinking perfect that's rest and recovery crawling back to my house I am I've got 2.9 miles so I'm I am I am running as fast as what is left in me and, and my phone goes off and says congratulations your race is over three miles is over and as I, I'm trying not to collapse I mean church I am I got nothing left and as I start to stop, I, I pass a house and their family is out in front of the house and they, they see me and from their perspective, they think that I'm giving up on my workout. And so they start to encourage me to not give up. I have too much pride and I'm too exhausted to try to explain to them that I'm done. And they start encouraging, don't stop. You can do it. Their son was like, thank you for your service. I'm like, I'm not in the military. I'm like running from stolen valor, but I am in the Lord's army. Can I get an amen? Church, this family was so frustratingly encouraging to me. When I thought that I had nothing left in the tank, I ran the fastest quarter mile I have ever ran in my entire life. Mainly because, mainly because I could turn right on my street so they couldn't see me anymore. Church, you need to understand this year, there are people in your life this year who are on the verge of collapsing, who are on the verge of giving up. And whether they realize it or not, they are dependent on you going and speaking life. There are people in this city who are on the verge of giving up on Jesus, who are on the verge of giving up on the church, who are on the verge of giving up on their marriage, on their family. May we speak life. May we go. May we encourage. We are the church. This year when we see people hurting and broken, May we go and speak life and encourage. This year when we see people and they fall, the world is really good at kicking people while they are down. May we be a church who encourages them and points them to the only one who can pick them up again. Can we remind them, your race is not over yet. God is not done with you yet. There's still grace for you. There's still hope for you. Church, maybe, maybe you are here tonight. Maybe you are here tonight and you were hurting and you were broken and you started to give up. Maybe you have given up. Can I encourage you? Can I remind you? God is not done with you yet. There is still grace for you. There is still hope for you. There is still purpose for you. And when the enemy comes, when the enemy comes and tries to whisper and tell you that your lie, that your race is over, may you remind him, nothing is over until my God says it is over. Church, get back up, get back up, get back up. There is more that God wants to do in and through your life. Get back up. May we get back up and may we go and speak life. May the devil be terrified 
of every step that you take because he knows where there is darkness you are going to speak life with every head bowed every eye closed if you're in this place tonight if you're a Christian I'm going to ask you to pray come on church stir your faith pray if you're here tonight and you don't know who Jesus is friend Spirit of God is in this place. Friend, if you don't know him, I'm not asking, do you believe in him? The devil believes in God. I'm asking, have you surrendered your life to him? Do you know what it is to surrender your life, to be forgiven of your sins? Do you know the freedom that's found in his grace? His redemptive power in a moment, if that's you. If you say, Josh, I don't know Jesus. I have not given my life to him. Holy Spirit's moving in this service tonight. Come on, church, pray. You say, Josh, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus. I'm done trying to do this on my own. I've fallen too many times and tried to get myself back up on my own strength. I'm here to give my life to Jesus. I need his grace. If that's you in this place, I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand high enough and long enough for me to see it. Say, Josh, that's me. There's already a hand there. Say, Josh, that's me. Another hand there, another hand there, many hands. One, if you're in this place, say, Josh, that's me. Friend, nobody's too good, nobody's too bad. We are all in need of a Savior. Two, if you're in this service tonight, if you're being honest with yourself, you're backslidden, you've walked away from God. Friend, allow the grace of God to operate in your life again. God is not angry, God is not mad. He is sitting here with arms open, smiling, saying, welcome home again. Three, if that's you, quickly raise your hand high enough and long enough for me to see it. Many hands. Once I've seen it, you can put it down. I see over here, over here. Five or six over here. I see the three in the back, another one in the back, another here. Once I've seen it, you can put it down. I see two hands over here. Anybody else say, Josh, that's me. Josh, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus, surrender everything to him to be my Lord and my Savior. I see your hand. Church, can we lift our eyes? I'm just going to prepare us. Can we give? just a moment, can we give the loudest shout of praise to celebrate every single person.